Welcome to The Herd Mentality, an eclectic weekly mix of atheistic and humanistic conversations with complete strangers. I've never met them and they've never met me, but we're throwing caution to the wind, taking a risk with a dodgy internet connection, and God willing, get an interesting conversation for you to listen to. I'm your host, Questionable Adam, at Adam Reeks on Twitter, and it's time to meet our guests. Welcome to the Herd Mentality. And with me today, I have people on both sides of the fence. I have at Marco underscore IO9. Hello, Marco. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Extra good. Thanks for caring. You've been on before? I have. It's been a few months, but I'm back. It has. And in that few months, I've taken a little bit of time out of my life to read your book and learn some stuff. That's true. I forgot you hadn't read it the first time. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks for, uh, thanks for picking it up. Look, yeah, I looked like a goose the first time around, so hopefully not so much this time. And with me from another place, I have at R.D. Stysek. Robert, how are you? Good, sir. How are you? Very well, thanks. And congratulations for stepping up and coming on the show. I know it's not an easy thing to do, especially... Given the uh, content of it, it's typically atheists and so forth, and we're we're an intimidating bunch. <laughs> really, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Where are you based? Um, I'm in Buffalo, New York. Um, I've been here since '98. Originally, I was uh, born in Pennsylvania. As well as asking Chris, uh, parts of the Pennsylvania that he's been in, more centrally located in Pennsylvania, around you know the Amish state. But I'm not Amish in any sense. But born there, and then my mom remarried, moved to New York, and pretty much in the western New York area, um, I've pretty much lived most of my life. So this is this is what I call home right now. Yeah, cool. And you're a you're a Christian? Uh, yes, sir. And you know which sense? Because there's plenty of different types of Christian. Yeah, that's where the confusion is. Um, Protestant. Reformed Protestant. I don't particularly classify myself as any one given denomination. I've been exposed to several. Um, I guess it just boils down to um, getting past the religious part and just seeing God in a spiritual sense, so to speak, with all of the uh, dogma. Mm. We discussed this. I was on a podcast recently uh, called The Imaginary Friends Show, and we discussed this regarding you know what what is spirituality because it's a pretty broad term it tends to be like i said if you can get past the religious dogma and traditions and rules and regulations if you see god as like a one-on-one relationship as like a father-son or father-daughter type type relationship it takes it on a different meaning whereas you're kind of like looking on in religion like you know i can't believe i came from here it's it's a, it tends to be a little bit more intimate when you get past all of the dogmatic stipulations mm. of organized religion you go to church off and on to be truthful off and on fair enough so well so do i but um probably less regularly than you usually <laughs> oh, usually i wait until somebody dies well yeah that might be an incentive <laughs> to go yeah <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a, a little bit of a backstory here, because I Raise You Facts bought me a copy of Marco's book, which is What Are You Without God? Uh, Marco was good enough to sign it for me. It was under the, the pay it forward system. So read it, enjoy it, pass along to somebody else. So buy another copy for somebody else. And I singled out Rob, because I'm mean like that. No, not really. You? <laughs> and I, I did it because you're random. You, you just sort of stuck out to me as... As though I thought, well, you can be reasonable. I can be. That's what appealed to me about this. My self-serving interest in this is that I'd be interested in seeing whether or not any of your opinions or views, on atheists at least, have changed, having read it. Well, there's cool ones and there's not so cool ones. I tend to be friendlier with the ones who are cool who can actually hold a decent conversation with me, regardless of the um, manner in which they talk to me. But so I have a few who follow me. Pansy for Thoughts is one of them. Her and I exchange ideas back and forth sometimes here and there, and you know she's real cool to deal with. I kind of interact with a few of the others not as much as with pansy she tends to just pop out of nowhere and just ask me a question and it's like okay well let's discuss it i have been told by others that uh, you can't reason with a theist but i beg to differ <laughs> at least i hope to beg to differ here's the proof i'm not, I'm not i i guess i'm not as rigid as other christians i know some of them tend to be a little bit more emotional when it comes to defending 
the Bible and you know their religious beliefs and things of that nature. I just I hope to be more open minded than most. It's a fine first step. Okay, question off the top. What's the least appealing thing about being an atheist? Just the idea of just living this life with nothing in the beginning and nothing at the end. I guess I don't have enough faith to be an atheist to actually like, think that way. I'm a, I, I guess it doesn't seem to be comfortable enough knowing that when I die, I mean, that's just it. I mean, it's like there's no reward. There's no justice done in the end in the, in a, whatever you consider an afterlife. So rewards are what motivate you or fear of in punishment? What way? How do you mean? I'm trying to fathom the motivation for pursuing a God. You mentioned um, the, uh, the reward and presumably on the other end of the scale, there's the punishment if you don't. That, that seems to doesn't sit well with the with most i guess just from the positive side it's just you know i pass on from this life into the next and it's just i i, I finally get to see my lord hmm. and what they call what chris refers to as the metaphysical in the book or heaven if, for some people anyway hmm. chris have you got any thoughts yeah you know i i think what rob's saying about natural sort of human social desires for justice to to see justice realized and just in you know these aren't really helpful practical terms i identify with what rob is saying about desires for justice and uh, an innate social you know, uh, need to see people rewarded or punished for good or bad things. That's in all of us. To me, my recollection of identifying as an atheist finally was, uh, this is one of the hardest things for me to let go of, is the concept that sometimes real bastards get away with it. You know, and, and sometimes really innocent, decent people take really unnecessary and inexplicable punishment from the world. And that's something that is really disturbing to to accept but once you do in my mind you you know once once everything else collapses the mythology and the you know you you sort of rearrange your identity and perspective on things um you realize that these things are happening because we are all sort of looking past this a large portion of us are looking past this life we are deferring our appetite to see justice had and that is creating a, a kind of inertia that is um in some ways creating this environment where this kind of injustice can kind of um can kind of saturate things and so i'm, I'm not the kind of person to blame religious belief for everything but i'm saying that um to, to expect justice, a perfect justice to come in a second life, is to not care if it happens in this one. And if we're not seeing justice done in this world, the only world that we can realistically experience, what's to say mm -hmm. that we're going to get that in the next life, other than the fact that a book told us? If you accept Rob's philosophy and his take on God and the afterlife, the idea of a perfect justice being wrought necessarily follows. In terms of, in terms of the, the foundation of those assumptions, I obviously question those. But again, the... You know what he's looking for, what Rob wants in terms of justice for for people is a totally innate human appetite. That's universal in my mind. The only thing that differs is people's definitions of what is good, what is bad, what types of justice should be delivered. Justice is a very complicated concept and word, and there's a lot of facets to it. But in general, we all have this impulse of good gets rewarded, bad mm. gets punished. Well, there's yeah. I mean, even in the world we've got at the moment, the Saudi justice system, I wouldn't associate justice with it at all. I mean, you could, I mean, I think you could look anywhere, you know, there's, I mean, there, there's corruption of all kinds, um, a general philosophy, in my opinion, that if you have enough money, you will be exempt from proper justice and um, enough money, enough connections, things like that. Hmm. And so, um, it, well, is there anything that's perfect when it comes to people? merit like meeting out justice i doubt it i just have the opinion that uh we we certainly do know worse the more people who care about seeing it in this world in the present day mm. rob anything to add well last night 
uh, truthfully, I was looking at some stuff <clears throat> just on the internet. I had come across the Columbine High School shooting that happened in 99 in Littleton, Colorado. And I was reading down the list of the names of people who were targeted by these uh, two high school students who were um, gunning down a lot of the students that they were coming across in the school. A lot of them ranged from like ages 16, 17. And most of them were that were targeted were, were uh, athletes and Christians. What I was reading is, I guess, that the gunman would ask whichever one they were targeting for death if they were Christian or not, believed in God or not. And if they said yes, well, obviously they're dead. Um, if they said no, then I guess they were passed over, then nothing would happen to them. And things like that. I mean, we get appalled that these things happen. And then the question comes, well, where was God in this situation? I mean, things like that. It's just, even if it was just, even if, even if, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, atheists were targeted by Christian militants, just to say, I mean, even there, people being killed just for the sake of belief systems mm-hmm. is disgusting. And it, it shouldn't be, but this is the way that the world is. I mean, people are evil. They're going to do evil things. And we want those types of people punished for taking out innocent lives. I mean, that was just something that just come to mind when you were discussing that, speaking of, uh, yeah. you know, justice running down in this world. So, it's... Yeah, yeah the, the, the only thing that I was, that I would say to, to sort of, the, that I, the only thing I differ with you on that is, is, is the thing you slid in where you say people are evil. I think, I, I think that's a very, you know, I mean, that, I, that idea is, is something that is, that religions teach people because they want people to feel as though they are defective. They are born defective and they need saving. And so I don't accept that the concept people are evil. People, we are complex. We're all capable of really good or really horrible things, each of us. It's, it's inside all of us. You know, I, I don't think we are iner- inherently anything. We're a product of, of how we're brought up. We're a product of our opportunities and means. And, and that's uh, everything else you said I agree with, but for that. So, Rob, in reading the book, did your opinions change at all? Things tend to be more reasonable, I guess you could say. I think that regardless of where you come from or what your belief system is, I think that we all have the capacity to be reasonable. We may not always be agreeable in, in, in scope, but at least attempt to, which I, I think this might get me in some trouble. Uh, a lot of Christians don't want to see, see, see things logically. It's just a one-track mind and you know that settles it. I don't know if you listened to my most recent episode. I had a chat with a creationist. <laughs> it was a challenge. The staunch... Uh, position of not wanting to change and not accept new information made for what I think is just an unreasonable debate. Well, you know, like, like I said, they have to look at both sides of the coin. I mean, be open, be open-minded, not necessarily saying that you have to agree, but at least look into it. At least look into it. I mean, I'd be willing to look at things differently regarding creationism. If I miss something somewhere, then by all means, at least show me respectfully where I could have gone wrong, and I'll consider it. Hmm. At least, and I think most Christians don't want to do that. They don't want to let go of their comfort zones or, you know, their, their security blankets, and they end up crying and boohooing because, you know, someone's attacking them. Well, attacks, I think, go both ways if you think about it. And I try myself not to do that. I, you know, if you come at me harsh, I'm just going to ignore you. But if you come at me with some intelligence, oh, I might learn something, or vice versa. The bullying aspect, both sides tend to do it sometimes um, just to get their points across. And I, and I think that we kind of have to just cut that out i mean that's that's high school stuff and be more mature and adult about it we're going to disagree regardless but still you know talk it out hey chris what do you think rob might have to lose by say renouncing his faith well i mean i've done it uh, i don't know about you adam in terms of your whether you were raised atheist or what have you but um you know i, I know what he has to lose because i've been i've been there it's just a feeling of the initial sort of shock of feeling as though you could be wrong about something that you based your whole life on you know that's very unpleasant it's very disturbing and it strikes to the very core of your identity mm. and you know it just in order to get past it you have to learn a whole new perspective 
Um, you have to totally reshape your perspective on the world and yourself and how you value time. I mean, for me now, time is the only currency I really care about. You know, I mean, it's it's the one thing you can't buy back at this point in time based on present state of medicine or what have you. In, in terms of what he has to lose, he has to lose this sort of guaranteed feeling of love or security or a plan. You know, those are the things that feel very comfortable. And I know them well. I personally think that atheists and, and, and an atheist worldview ultimately leads to a higher level of empowerment and satisfaction. But at the same time, I agree with what with what Rob just said. In terms of my priority when it comes to debating this stuff is just reasonableness. I can deal with anybody's ideologies on any topic as long as they're reasonable. I agree with Rob on the point that um, that he makes with respect to reasonableness. I, I just happen to think when I debate this topic that um, religion and religious thought tends to create an ample breeding ground because it lacks really uh, objectively firm criteria for inspection. It happens to create a, a, a breeding ground for fanaticism. That's not everybody. And in the same, at the same time, I don't I don't make the argument that all atheists are suddenly eminently reasonable across the board. The one thing that I dislike and that I'm against across every situation is fanaticism, atheist fanatics, religious fanatics. Hmm. And to the extent that a that a theist is reasonable, accepts that that I have a point when it comes to my doubts with respect to what he's doing and that therefore lets that gives them pause about how hard they want to cram it than everyone else's throats. I'm more allied with people like people of Rob's mentality when it comes to this reasonableness factor than I am with really staunch aggressive atheists because to me the civility of the argument matters. At the end of the day, when we're when atheists are debating religious believers, we want them to be allies. We want them you know, that's the ultimate goal is we want you to, to see things our way and give it up. And no one no one's gonna want to be your friend. No one's gonna want to be on your team when you're just just hammering them and calling them stupid or you know what have you and, and it's you know I'm, I'm not saying that it's you don't people can't get frustrated but it's you know at the end of the day the, the the ultimate goal has to be kept in mind of you know what we're really shooting for is some sort of some sort of common ground some sort of defusing of these concepts hmm. and eradication is not the only way to do that yeah exactly so Rob, have you had an experience recently that you can think of where perhaps you've changed your view on a topic when presented with new evidence? Not really. Just trying to understand the, the mentality of atheism, I guess, to understand it better, because there's a lot of stuff I don't understand about it, stuff that I might not be able to embrace. But, like, again, echoing Chris, you know, a common ground. Not saying that I want to become an atheist or have any desire to be an atheist, but mm. I want to be able to at least understand the world a little bit better. So t to understand better atheist mindset is something that I am trying to understand. And then I'm not saying that I'm going to let go of any of the beliefs that I have, but at least I want to be able to understand atheism a little bit a bit better. than, and, and that's why conversations of a respectful type kind of will help me understand stand it better there's just some things i'm just not going to give into some things that okay i'll take a second look at there's a saying that we love to say is iron sharpens iron and everyone has a card to play so why don't we just play it and you know just see what, what goes from there i have a question probably we didn't elaborate on earlier in the shows so god created the earth but how long ago mm -hmm. do you think god created the earth well if you can look at the evidence beyond an a young earth creationistic standpoint i mean i'm old earth creationist so i'm looking at the world in terms of billions of years 4.5 billion years old for the earth 
10 plus billion years old for the universe you know and there's evidence out that the supports you know that you can't look at the genesis account of you know in chapter one and just say oh literal 24 hour days no the scenario doesn't fit for one old earth creationists and old young earth creationists they go at it like cats and dogs and it's you know you have to like look at both sides of the coin and, and see what fits the scenario better and within the aspect of again genesis one literal six day periods just don't fit into the scope of what we've so far been looking at evidence-wise regarding the age of the earth which is in you know billions of years not six to ten thousand years old mm. Hey, Chris, what, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on um, interpreting different aspects of the Bible? So, for example, taking the, the six days and extrapolating yeah. it to billions of years. I personally, my, my analysis and my arguments when it comes to espousing atheism and rejecting theistic thought, I tend to kind of wash over scriptures. I, I say to myself from a scientific analysis standpoint, these things that are supposed to be so relevant are supposed to exist today. God, heaven, the devil, hell, angels, anything that you like is supposed to be in existence today. So where are these things? Why can't anybody find them? Why can't anybody even tell me with some sort of reasonable precision what we're looking for? And so when it comes to scripture, I I realize I'm dodging your point. I'll, I'll give it a fair answer in a minute. But mm-hmm. my ultimate feeling is scripture itself, first of all, can be read to mean anything. You know, I mean, you can you can edit, tailor it, analogize metaphors, whatever you like to make it fit um, scientific knowledge. Ultimately, it seems to me to be ludicrous to look back centuries or millennia for evidence of the most powerful being in the world that's supposed to exist today. That having been said, when it comes to the interpretation of scripture in this fashion, it, to me, there's, there's no way to reasonably fight it. Um, one person on you know what what rob says young earth creationists are going to take things literally you know they'll they'll take the account of genesis literally rob takes it and he and he tempers it um he 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 makes it a metaphor based on what science knows and what science can explain with some reasonable evidence Hmm. um and the the real question is is what's really being interpreted here what's on the page it was a perfect book why wasn't it just written with the facts yeah yeah but i mean that's that's definitely one point to make but in terms of in terms of the question of which interpretation uh, fits best, how is anybody to win? You know, the, the the book is heavy on vague language, it's heavy on metaphor, it's heavy on romantic, romantic, punitive, emotional aspects. And so when it comes to actually trying to sew down these kinds of hard and fast rules or aspects of objective reality, it just, it seems to me that the concept of faith bleeding into everything totally scuttles any tools you could have in order to say this person's right or this person's wrong, unless you're going to depart from it and bring in scientific knowledge as Rob is doing. Rob is saying the Earth's 10, over 10 billion, or the, I'm sorry, the universe is over 10 billion years old. There's nothing in the Bible or any scripture that says that. That's, that's scientific stuff. I mean, he's using scientific knowledge to color what the book says. And there, there's no end to this. I mean, people, people do this with, more, with morality. They will pick and choose what morality suits. Um, some people are very offended by homosexual, homosexual marriage, anything to do with that. And other religious believers are not. And so, again, there's there's really no rhyme or reason to me in terms of interpretation and what's correct and what's appropriate. To me, the whole thing is the same as interpreting some sort of very lengthy horoscope. Um, the words are very vague, and the, the directives um, can be read in so many ways as to be almost meaningless, you know? Hmm. Rob, your thoughts? I will agree that when it comes to the Bible, there's many interpretation differences. I've been in many theological debates where it got pretty nasty of different um, denominations, even people within your own team. I guess you could say there's a little bit differences there, too. It is open to a lot of different interpretations. My only response to people is when they ask me, like, you know, how can you believe the Bible? I just say, well, it's basically you're just going to just sit down on your own and get all the resources that you can possibly get your hands on 
whether it's dictionaries, concordances, Bible study books, commentaries, things of that nature, and just look at it yourself. You know, the, the guy behind the pulpit isn't necessarily going to preach the truth himself. And I've seen it happen where prophets come in and out of churches and they prophesy this and they prophesy that and they lay hands on people, they fall out. I'm not really into that. I used to, but then again, uh, some things just were not adding up to, to scripture. It's like they were just adding things to scripture or taking from it and nothing was really lining up. So I, I just tell people that no, no matter what you've been exposed to or what you've witnessed, go for it on your own. Sometimes the best way to learn things is just shut everything else out and just go for the go for it yourself. I mean, there's no other way to because listen to everything else. Just it's just going to add confusion to what you're trying to understand. You shut everything else out and you go for what you're what you are going to do by yourself. Which I've done myself. That's why I've changed a lot of my views, even dealing with theological aspects of the Bible. I held down like I used to believe, you know, in young Earth. Now I'm old Earth based on what you know the information i've gathered and that but i encourage people to just do their own thing do you feel like you're waking up when new evidence is presented all the time such as what you've discovered to this day i value new information i take it to heart if if it honestly and it's just not by feeling it's just by evidence that i see myself if it's new and if it you know well i'll tell you i'll use the term lift my spirit up like, wow, I just learned something new. Well, then I can apply it to this and maybe get an even deeper understanding of it. And there always, there's always ways of improving. Not necessarily have to let, let go of your core beliefs, but at least get a better understanding to what you're studying, whatever topic it may be, science, religion, philosophy, what, what have you. Mm. But yeah, I, I treasure new information. I, I don't shun from it. Chris, do you think there's an element of confirmation bias here? Well, honestly, just in terms of all of us, every single person on the planet, I think we all have confirmation bias with things that we want, our, our brains have presupposed notions about a wide array of politics, whatever, and your brain is more ready to accept things that, that verify them. So I think it, we're all subject to this constantly. When it comes to religion, of course, my opinion is is that, you know, that Rob is, is selecting an, uh, information that is either not deadly to the heart of the religious thought and accepting information that confirms or at the minimum doesn't challenge your beliefs, religious beliefs in, in, a, in a fatal way. I've seen this pattern before, and I've experienced it myself. When I was raised Catholic, I never cared about what are the hot-button issues, homosexuality. Abortion is a bit more complicated, but I never really, you know, I was never really bothered with that. And these are these are things that, you know, I accepted contraceptive use. You know, I, I accepted science's attitude on things because, again— the way the way that I was valuing the system was was that as long as it didn't come close enough to sort of clipping the wing of this mothership of God, it could all be sacrificed, you know. And so at that point in time, my evidence reasoning was sound and and worked fine. But um, in terms of in, in terms of what you know, Rob, what Rob accepts and doesn't accept. At the end of the day, I think that the arguments that atheists make, we have many sound points. And I think we have many redundant points to to sort of apply pressure to the same concepts. This is nothing specific to do with you, Rob. You know, when I say that right. when I'm saying that like you haven't you haven't refuted anything or or asserted anything to make me change my mind more accurately to me the entire body of religious thought whether it be scholars theologians priests imams whatever whoever whoever wants to make an argument i have yet to be convinced at any point that that there's any sound reason to believe and um as for what rob is doing to tailor it to his satisfaction this is what everyone does when it comes to the system and how could it be otherwise there there are no firm hard and fast guidelines when you accept this kind of ultimate wild card figure that is capable of anything yet is held to no standards of or that he is doing things with some sort of ultimate morality in hand his the, the perfection of his morality is just assumed by definition yeah well on you the know. topic of morality rob where do you source your morality from well my parents mostly i mean 
to nurture me into the young man to develop who I am today. I mean, if it had not been for my parents, obviously I probably would have been a totally different person. I got to give them much love and respect for raising me in the way that they did. Um, with respect to people of you know different uh, races and and sexual orientations and um, things of that nature, and once you know being raised in like church all my life, so that's like the only thing that I know. But you know, as I said over time, you just learn different aspects to to, to approach the theology and the thought that goes along with it. Are there points that you disagree on with your parents? Say, for example, do 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 you support gay marriage, whereas perhaps your parents might not? There's an example I've just my dad's- made up. My my dad's more he my dad's more liberal when it comes to things like that. He may not agree with it, but to each their own. My mom's more dead set against it. Me, I don't always have to agree with everything, but I can't tell someone not to do it. I mean, I'd, I'd rather not see two men marry, but I'm in no position to be telling them, well, you can't do that because it's that's not my place. Same thing with with religion. You can't just bash people over there with the Bible and expect that to be the the final scenario. No talk with them and if they accept it cool if not well hey just you know wipe your hands and just you know walk away you can't force people to believe as you do so i mean if if gay marriage is something that people want to do then i'm in no position to tell them no that's not that that would be wrong for me to infringe on the rights of someone else regardless of whether i be i I disagree with it Hmm. Chris, from being outside and looking in, how do you think Rob sources his morality and comes to judgments? Everyone gets their morals, in my opinion, from their parents to some extent. I mean, for example, you just you just stated, Rob, the um, that you are you're you're basically indifferent to people if they're. I mean, you, you don't particularly care for it for yourself, but you're like, well, I have no I have no authority legally or under any other jurisdiction to stop you from doing it. So it's just I just I just have this indifferent attitude. Um, which I think is right on. I have the same attitude. But again, to me, and we, we, we can get stuck in, in this kind of swamp of, uh, of biblical interpretation in this juncture, but very clear in the Bible or the Quran that this can't be accepted and, and vice versa. But insofar as you've tailored that morality to yourself, my personal opinion is that you're just taking a, a general privacy you know, uh, concept of saying, well, you know, I, I, have, I, I personally want my privacy. There's certain things I'll do that you won't like. And um, unless you're not, unless you're hurting somebody, um, I don't want to I don't want to be a part of it because that same thing could happen to me. And it's this kind of this kind of reciprocity ethic of um, in lay terms, the gold, the golden rule of, you know, having what happens to you or what you do is what you'd want people to do to you. Um, I think I think that is is the, really the, the core of what people are are doing or, or would feel about society. But for these kinds of very absolutist rules that religions tend to bring in um, that, that can never break, that have hell behind them and lead people to be really, really ruthless with each other. Really, really cruel in many ways. Understood. Understood. Have you got anything to add, Rob? One other question I had for you was what challenged you most about the book? What was the hardest thing to process? And I, and I asked <laughs> the, this question uh, because... The, I, whole, <laughs> the whole part of... Uh, the first part on religious thought was what really got me motivated into really, you know, reading reading this book. It was different the way that he, you know, used approaches to different uh, aspects of it. It was... Um, that was mostly the, the, the mostly the part of the book that I liked the, the best was uh, his um, discrediting religious thought, as, as he put it. Um, and, you know, it's the terminology that, yeah, we, we theists tend to cling to which everybody uses terminology for different types of things in you know some regard but that that first part really was what got me really looking into this uh thing i highlighted enough stuff you know just for my own personal 
thought that struck out to me mostly. Yeah, the religious thought process aspect of the book was probably the most intriguing. Well, I mean, I appreciate it, first of all. In terms of my critiques, you know, a lot of them, the core of several of them are sort of epistemological of what, what is the nature of human knowledge? What can we reliably know? But aside from that, you know, I think um, what may, I'm just guessing now, but what may have been appealing to you is the insistence that I had at the beginning to, to, to try to bring reasonable precision to what I was talking about, to define terms. And to me, the failure of religious institutions to do that for their followers of saying, of putting it all on the board in a transparent fashion of what am I really asking you to do here? What am I asking you to accept? Creates a really pernicious power structure where these things can morph into into different, you know, I, I mean, how many people have you have you crossed paths with who refer to God as some sort of nebulous concept of love or some sort of aspect of nature or not even not even an actual entity you know it's a it's a word that just feels good to people in a in a kind of um meme-ish type way people people it just feels good to think of it and they fill it up with whatever they want and um it's that kind of lack of precision that makes that makes this game so hard to play because if you're not going to challenge the words themselves to have some kind of reasonable fair play about them you can find God anywhere. I could be God for all I know because the word doesn't mean anything. And so I'm, 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 I'm speculating that's what interested you. I mean, if you're, if you're, if I'm wrong on that, that's I'm just throwing a line out there. But in terms of the beginning of it, the the definitions, the the epistemological sort of surveying, um, these are like to me that's the only place to reasonably attack religious thought. And I don't care if it's Christianity or Islam or whatever; they're all the same on these axes. Which is that if you're not going to demand reasonable precision in language when it comes to things that are described and should be verifiable in objective reality. You, you have no tools of analysis. You have, no, you have no way to gain any kind of reliability in the knowledge. And so you're left to speculate. You're left to have faith. And um, personally, just want people to know what faith is. You know, um, that's, that's really my purpose. It's, it's, it's not my job to go around telling people what the best deal for them is in life. But I just want people to, to know as accurately as possible what this brand really is before they buy Hmm. Robert, mm-hmm. any thoughts on that? No, it, it's understandable. I think in in lines with uh, religion, I mean, I, I wish there was more concrete ideologies that, as he was saying, would just, you know, expose people to, I guess, greater depths of knowledge. I, I think perhaps of, there's, a, there's an opening in the market here then. You could revise the Bible. You could write the modern-day Robert Stisek Bible, you know, give some really clear-cut <laughs> definitions on on what God <laughs> is, what God isn't. And uh, go to well, the Church of Stisek. Like uh, Oprahism, Oprah Winfrey and her brand of theology. <laughs> That's a dirty word, and it's not allowed on this show. That's well, all. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> well, I was going to say there's just some lines that I won't cross. Um, I mean, to take the aspect of like a godlike personality is the start of a cult and i that's something i do not wish to start my own brand of religion and you know be classified as a cult i don't want to be the start of anything negative any more than what's already out there Hmm. all right are there any final talking points on the book that you'd like to discuss do you have any questions for chris just the aspect of the of the soul um his something he had mentioned uh, about anatomically speaking um about doctors you know like uh opening up the human body and like autopsies things and never finding a soul anywhere. I, I I didn't quite understand what you were trying to get as whether you're like are you like implying they were looking for something to be to literally be there or I mean in immaterial nature it's not just you know just pop up out the body and say here I am. I mean what were you implying they were trying to like look for? 
Well, I, I wasn't necessarily implying that anybody was actually searching for it. I was just saying that, you know, you have these people who are methodically opening the apparatus that is our body. They find everything mm-hmm. that makes a tick, uh, everything that's indispensable. And you, th- nobody ever brings up the soul. And that doesn't mean it's not there. You know, I mean, that, that's, the, that's, the, that, that's the subtle point about atheism that I think a lot of people misunderstand is that I'm not saying it's not there. I'm saying I have no reason to believe it's there. The same argument goes with God, angels, heaven, hell. And again, the, the, the problem here is, uh, once again, is the concept itself, the word itself, is what are we looking for? How would we know what the soul is if we were to find it? And it's this kind of deck stacking that makes religious thought kind of, at casual glance, it makes it just impenetrable. Because you can't, you, to somebody who wants to believe these things, there's no stopping them, because they'll find them anywhere, because the words have that kind of play to them. But when it comes to, to getting somebody in a rigorous mindset of, of well, what are we looking for, bottom line is, is that, to me, these words are a linguistic game. I see. So are, are you basically saying that regarding the human body, so to speak, that it's more materialistic than rather than dualistic in nature? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, I, I, just, I just defer to what I said earlier, which is what's, what is the evidence for this other this other realm that is not material. I mean, what, what, why does the body need it? The body seems to work perfectly fine, pumping blood, heart, lungs. These things seem to be the necessary elements. What, exactly what explanatory power does this extra realm give at the functioning of our bodies? I've got a theory that the appendix is, in fact, the soul and that some people are living without it. <laughs> That's the first, first mm. time I've heard that one. Mm. It's not well regarded same in parenting. scientific circles. <laughs> it's not well regarded. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hello? Hello? It's questionable Adam here via subspace link now that the Syrians have perfected their time machine. The year is 2073 and I'm still doing this ridiculous podcast, but now I do it standing in a cardboard box outside a supermarket, reading chapters from Joel Osteen's book, whilst people point and laugh at me for not having white enough teeth. Religion still exists, and it's worse now than ever before because we have seven popes. North Korea is now an Islamic nation, and Russia has just allowed homosexuals to drive hoverboards for the first time. A lack of critical thinking has hamstrung our planet, especially Tibet, which is now completely submerged due to global warming. But you can help. In the last 40 years, the show has managed to raise over 37 bitcoins when accounting for inflation. The logs show that in the year 2013, less than one half of 1% of the listeners donated to support the show. You can change this. With additional funding, the show can reach a wider audience. My past self will be able to earn an honest dollar and donate 10% of the proceeds to Kiva.org to improve the lives of others. It'll also allow me to buy a new cardboard box today. Head to HerdMentalityPodcast.com and click the support tab at the top of the page. It's possible to set up a recurring payment each month of $2, $5, 10 whatever you feel is reasonable in return for the enjoyment you gain from the show. This show is as much for you as it is for me, by a person, for the people. Past Questionable Adam and present day Questionable Adam, thank you very much. And with your support, we can rewrite history. All right. Well, do you want to have a little bit of fun for a minute? Sure. Sure. Rightio, it's half time. Change sides. Robert, you're now an atheist, and Chris, you're now a theist, which is probably a little bit unfair because you've, you've played the theist part before. But, Robert, your most convincing <laughs> argument in 30 seconds a minute 
Try and convince Chris. Wow. Um, well, the only thing that I can think of is the aspect of uh, Noah's Flood. I know a lot of people stake their claim that it was an actual event, but I've yet to see any evidence that would prove to me that one man with seven others were on a huge boat with a whole bunch of animals on there for the length of time that they were in the boat. I have trouble accepting that as an actual factual story, even though despite the fact that the Bible mentions it. Yeah, sounds like a tough gig. Chris, convince me. I mean, just look at look at the design of the universe. Look at the design of the Earth and how sort of seamlessly we all fit on it. It's it's it doesn't see it's not possible for the world or the universe to be built with these kinds of specifications such that we live in it. You know, everything has to have this kind of beginning point. You know, such as God and you know the the conclusion point, which is also God. And the the, the scriptures these are things that people have been seen have seen fit to worship and follow for centuries, and all of a sudden people now think they know better. And um, this is a long legacy, a tradition of knowledge that goes into ancient times that um, is still followed by three quarters more than that billions of people in the world today i'm converted i wanted to give you <laughs> i wanted to give you a chance to to rebut each other's Wait. points so uh chris what's the most compelling argument for the ark for the ark yeah i mean rob um, clearly doesn't believe in it uh given that he's an atheist for 30 seconds Jeez, the most compelling evidence for the ark mm. my goodness come on you're a theist um, now you can do the this most compelling evidence for the ark is that you got this book that talks about it um I'd say that's pretty much that's. I'm gonna have to hang my hat on that. Yeah. I tried to get creative for a second, but um, I could spin up some urban myth about how there's been some wreckage off the coast of Tasmania that's about the size of you know 30 football fields and could house all these animals. But um, I'll just stick with the book, I guess. Yeah, the book's solid. I'm backing the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Robert, have you got anything to respond from an atheistic standpoint about Marco's claim that God's all around us and you can see it in the world and the design and so forth? I've yet to see any evidence. Mm -hmm. I need I need concrete evidence that this metaphysical is actually as real as people are saying that it is and that God actually is in the world and is in the lives of individuals and lives in their hearts and that sort of thing. Yeah, so what evidence would convince you? That God would just show up. I mean, if he's really there, why doesn't he just show up? I think that's a very salient point. <laughs> I think you guys did really well. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. It wasn't that easy to argue from. I, I, I mean, I, I grew up religious. I forgot a lot of the points. Yeah. I'm out of practice. Oh, well, you have to keep mm. your hand in for these things, Chris. The book that you read, mm -hmm. would you pass it along? Would you continue the trend? I, I did take it to work with me one time. I was reading it on my lunch, and people were looking at the cover. The, the words, though, without God, are probably the ones that sound the most on the cover, and they're looking at me like, what are you reading? And I said, well, it's a book by an atheist. And they're like, are you serious? You're actually reading a book like that? I'm like, yeah, why not? <laughs> I wasn't asked if I was going to convert to one, uh, but they just kind of looked at me with this look of incredibility like I, they couldn't believe I was actually reading it. I was like, well, why not? This, this is in many ways why I wrote it, is just, just to flout a taboo. You know what I mean? No matter what people agree with me or not, it's like ideas in any sort, in any form, need to flow freely in order to find the best ones. And... Um, those kinds of reactions are, are there's nothing rare about it so you didn't get fired from your job robert you didn't get asked to pack up your stuff and get out no no that's a relief there's just a few people that uh witnessed me reading the book that wasn't like they didn't go out and like you know spread the word that i was reading an atheist book some of them just kept it you know oh that's i guess that's cool i guess and just left it alone <laughs> have you got anything to plug over to you chris yeah, I mean, you know, the, the original book, What Are You Without God, and a uh, second one, more poetic, more emotional one called I Am, will be around in just a few days, Halloween. That's pretty much it. I mean, my buddy Andy Lee, th this is kind of his project, but he he's starting a podcast he asked me to be on called You Without God, which is essentially 
half hour kind of discussions with individuals talking about what they went through um, in terms of withdrawing from uh, their religions. And so it's it, hopefully it's just kind of a, you know, a light kind of journal of sorts of people of how they've had to re- cope and develop skills to redefine themselves. So I'm excited to do that. That's that's really his baby. And um, I'm glad he asked me to do it. Yeah. But um, it's a growing market. It is. Podcasts are blowing up everywhere. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Right, so guys, thanks for coming along. Uh, we've had at Marco underscore IO9 and at RD Stisek. That's RD for dog, S-T-I-C-E-K. Guys, thanks a lot for coming along. You're welcome, Cheers, sir. Adam. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Just a couple of quick points to finish up the show with. I'm looking for some kids to come on the Herd Mentality and do a kids edition. So if your kids are interested in discussing religion or theism or atheism, particularly beliefs, get them to jump on the website at herdmentalitypodcast.com and fill in the details there and I'll arrange to put it all to air. It'll be an interesting chat, something that perhaps can benefit the wider community. Secondly, I'm after one of those annoying little sound effects that I keep putting in, but this one's particularly for Joel Osteen's teeth, something along the lines of the Deepak Comfort Sting. So four to five seconds at most, email it in to me, adam at herdmentalitypodcast.com, and the winner will get recognition on the show and probably constant overuse throughout. All the best, guys. Take care.